as financial brands, when we take a look at the fact that we are serving customers who are human beings, we need to need to be considerate of the fact that, okay, what are their emotional needs? Listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 77th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Eric Berg to the show. Eric is the founder and CEO of NetGiver, which is a mobile app that allows people to give to nonprofits directly from their financial brand's account without incurring fees for the charity to whom they are helping. Welcome to the show, Eric. James Robert, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Thanks for having me. I am glad that you are here, Eric. And one of the things that I'm curious about as we start this conversation is what's going well for you right now? What's a win? What's something that you're excited about? What's something that you've learned? Or what's something that you're looking forward to? Well, I tell you what, it is going to be 60 degrees in Minneapolis today as we record this. And coming off of three weeks ago when it was minus 12, I got to tell you, the sunshine is making me feel good today, James Robert. I, I'm I'm very pleased spring is on the way. 60 degrees, man. I'm, I'm right there with you. We're actually a little bit warmer here in Houston because you sent all of this nasty cold weather down, down our way a few weeks ago. And I think we got down to 16 degrees in, in H-Town. And we are not built for that. But fortunately, we're back up. Uh, it was 72 over the weekend. Blue skies and sun. Spent, spent a lot of time outside with the kids and um, actually did, did a little bit of work outside on the, on the patio this morning with my coffee. So it's great to get back into spring. Spring has sprung. I think, I think we're, we all need this right now, you know, coming out of this winter and COVID. And I don't know, I, I feel like there's a, a positive lift just across a, a lot of people, a lot of conversations I've been having. What about you? I'm feeling that too. I think that the idea that some of the restrictions are being able to be lifted a little bit, yes. uh, the vaccine is on the horizon for most people. You know, I think people are looking forward to summer and getting outside and festivals and, and sort of just this whole pent up, you know, this whole pent up COVID thing is it's going to be fascinating to see what happens when people come out of COVID and get to go back to their normal lives. I sort of feel like it's going to be like kids in the candy store. It's going to be a little bit crazy, I think. <laughs> I, but but it's good because if you know, as of recording, we one year ago, almost around this time, like we were in a very different place. It was a lot of confusion, like what's happening, what's going on, how do we process, how do we deal with all of this? And you're right. I feel like there's a there's a level of hope, and we're seeing. We're seeing something even bigger and better and brighter ahead, which is what I want to talk to you about today and the work that you're doing with NetGiver, which is specifically is a way to empower financial brands to bank on purpose, to bank with purpose. 
And that's a very big undertaking. From your perspective, and let's just define this first, what does that mean to you, banking on purpose, banking with purpose in this financial services space? Yeah, it's a great question. And I really think that as we look at banking, as we look at providing financial products and services to those that we're serving in the industry, the thing that we really have to keep in mind, and one of the things that we really have the opportunity to talk about now is this idea that people are emotional beings, right? And as emotional beings, every decision we make is an emotional decision as human beings. We justify them with logic, right? So we spend a lot of time justifying things. And so we may want to go buy a new car, but then we go home and we put a spreadsheet together and we do the pros and cons. We run the numbers. We figure out what we can really afford, right? But we really want the new car. And the emotional side of that is what's really important because that's why cars come out with the new colors and new shapes and new designs because they want to entice you. They want to drive that emotional uh, experience and emotional connection. And so as financial brands, when we take a look at the fact that we are serving customers who are human beings, we need to need to be considerate of the fact that, okay, what are their emotional needs? What are their emotional decisions that they're making every day and how can we best support them? And, and the way we can do that is by purposefully approaching their financial needs in a way that meets them where they live. I like that perspective. We buy with the heart and then we justify that with the mind. And it's not just a one and done perspective. It's to your point, these are the conversations that we have with ourselves every day. Some much larger than others, buying a car, buying a home. Some might be more micro, like getting the coffee. And I think that's an interesting point. Like the idea of buying coffee, Starbucks, what has Starbucks tapped into? They've taken a commodity, a 10 cent cup of coffee, and are charging charging multiples for it because of all of the experience that's tied around that. You know, you walk in and you know, you don't have to walk in anymore. You can you know, order on your phone and then it's all ready to go. But it's, it's a unique perspective. And let's talk about that packaging up purpose into product positioning. What are those opportunities for financial brands? Because like that Starbucks cup of coffee, it's commoditized. But Starbucks has been able to take it and, and really package it around this experience. But we're taking that idea of experience and going even further with purpose. What are those opportunities to package purpose into product positioning for a financial brand? Yeah, that's a great question. And when you take a look at it, and especially now where you know interest rates are so low, and it used to be where you could compete and you could throw out products and services that you might be able to be a little bit better in in uh, in an interest rate on something than you have been in the past, you know, than your competitor is. Now, when you look at it and you say, okay, so how can we put something in front of them that draws their emotional attention, right, to our financial brand? And one of the things that ends up happening a lot is you see this is very common. You see the the organization, the financial organization, holding up a giant check right? With a donation to a charity. Isn't it great? Look at this $5,000 that we gave to this charity. Well, first of all, who writes checks anymore? Great right? point. And secondly, and secondly, <laughs> why, why aren't we not getting our members and our customers involved in this process with us? 
you know, why are we not saying, well, look, we'll give 5,000 if you give 5,000 and to the things that you care about customer and, you know, persona and member of our, of our financial institution, because now we can engage with you, in a, in something you care about, as opposed to just putting a picture up of something that we think you might care about. I love that perspective. We write that big check and we take the picture and we post it. But in the subconscious mind, what what are we signaling? Because we don't write checks. And it's something that's a battle that I've been fighting is let's transform that positioning from a checking account to a spending account. In the work that you're doing, I almost see a spending account has the p- potential to be almost be packaged up as a giving we, that's exactly right. We have, so we've, so we're working with our financial institutions so that they have giving accounts wow. set up for their, and, and what we can do from that is they connect net giver to their giving account. And now as they're talking about splitting their paycheck up, they just direct the percentage of their giving from their paycheck directly to that account. Now you want to talk about where do you land your primary financial institution when you split your paycheck up? Well, it goes to where your giving comes from. Right. So now you're talking about this purpose that the member, the uh, the customer has, and their what's purposeful to them, what's important to them, is where they direct those funds. Right. So that's an important consideration. So yes, a, a giving account is something we talk about a lot uh, at NetGiver. This is all about positioning. It's all about inviting people into the to the narrative, inviting people that have a like mind into the story. I can't help but think of aspiration which is a neo startup financial brand aspiration.com and as of recording their big positioning on their website when you visit leave your bank change the world and they actually talk about turning every transaction into a positive action and i liked what you talked about you know it's a giving account not just for the account holder but it's something that we can do in conjunction with the account holders. So we're creating value and we're creating good together for other organizations in the communities where we live, where we work, where we worship together. This is really, really fascinating stuff. Let me ask, I get where this is coming from. I'm seeing more financial brands at least exploring this opportunity Some are still not 100% sure, and I understand why, because at at an executive level, a lot of leadership is left brain driven. They're driven by the numbers. They're driven by the quote unquote, the data. I get it, I'm, I'm empathetic, but once again, to your point, we're dealing with people, and people make emotive buying decisions. What holds some back from really just going all in on building positioning around banking on purpose? Well, I think one of the things that holds people back is that it's a change, right? And change is hard for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think that change has to, it's not like you have to turn the Titanic in one swoop, right? I think what it comes down to is coming in and, and meeting your customers and your members in a place where to them, they're having those emotional decisions. They're making those emotional decisions about what they do with, with the money they've earned. Giving it away is the most emotional one that they can that they can do. And when you do that, when you meet them there, even in the smallest little ways, you start to see a change in the relationship that you have with those 
with those members and those customers. Not every product or service you offer reaches every member or customer of your financial institution, right? We think we, we, we try to make a big, you know, a broad scope look at something, but even online banking, right, is really only, you know, what, 60, 70% of, of financial institutions have their customers or members, you know, using their online banking products. So even that is, is something that is growing over time and is becoming more and more part of what each member and customer experiences with that. But when you take a look at providing services that meet people where they are, it's going to take some time, but you got to start now, right? Because the longer you put it off, the further behind you are in what's actually transforming the industry right now. You talked about, you know, the neobanks that are having those conversations right now with the younger generations. And there's a lot of information out there right now about the millennials and the Gen Zers. And you take a look at the studies that have been done that show that what's important to over 75% of those generations are aligning their values with the products and services that they do business with. It's so important to them that they'll look toward that as a way to make a decision, um, even beyond price, even beyond other things, because that's an emotional decision. So where they align their values, it might be with a product or service that they that, they, that they've loved their entire life or that their parents, you know, were part of, but it might, it's likely going to be something that's going to be completely different. So that's where I think banks and credit unions and financial institutions have the opportunity to change the narrative and say, we're providing those same kinds of emotional connections that aren't just, yeah, we'll take care of the, we'll take care of the, the analytical stuff on the back and make sure that's all taken care of for you. But where we meet you, where we meet you used to be in the lobby is now something that's changed. So I'm going to hop on the other side of the table. I'm a CEO, man. I get where you're coming from conceptually, Eric. I like it. How is this going to positively impact my bottom line? Because I can feel where you're coming from, but can you can you give me some confidence that, you know what, this is a great decision, this is a great investment that we're going to make into our future by going down this path? Because you're right, I'm gonna have to leave some stuff behind to get there. I'm gonna have to let go of what got me to where we're at today from an operational model to continue. To, what can you do to give me some hope? What can you do to give me some confidence? Yeah, I think I think we can. And, and so I've, I've got a little bit of a background in working in brand in sports, James. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, right? So my sports background is one of the clearest examples that I can provide, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody who's been to a sporting event or been to the theater or been to something that that as an, as uh, as you're sitting in the uh, audience or in the crowd and the game is is continuing and or the the show is on there's that opportunity where you're where you come alive right you come alive with the experience that you're a part of and more often than not when you see things like you know uh, a team win on the last second shot or the last second field goal or something like that and, and the elation that, that takes place there those are the kind of things that we're missing in the financial world we miss those opportunities right so if and you take a look at what's happened to sports and the growth of sports over the course of the last 20 or 30 years or so, you take a look and why is that? The growth that has existed in that is because of that emotional connection that, that 
um, occurs. Now you take the, that ability to take that anywhere with you with the phone or uh, other technologies that we have, the digital world that we that we can put in that. And now you're putting that with you with things like fantasy sports and and being able to gamify things and, and create games and create that emotional response. So what I would say to anybody in the CEO role, in the CFO role of, of a financial institution is, this is how people live their lives. We need to meet those people where they are. And if we're not meeting those people where they are, if we can't have people cheering for our financial brands, then what can we do to be there when they're cheering? And it's why we, it's why we have sponsorships of financial institutions sponsoring sports teams and organizations and stadiums and those kinds of things is because they want to be part of that experience. Mm -hmm. So let's be part of all those experiences, not just the arenas, but also, you know, the 5K walk, the, you know, the church or the synagogue where they worship, you know, all those kinds of things are important to, to consider as well. So let's be in those spaces as well. And financial brands now have the opportunity to do that because you can go with your members and your, as your, and your customers because you're in their pocket all the time. Yeah. I, I also think too, this is where we're seeing trends at the macro level of organizations moving in multiple verticals. And, and we can go back almost 25, 30 years ago when uh, John Eggleton, he, he coined that term, the triple bottom line, you know, profit, people, planet. But even if we go back more recently to it was it was August 19, 2019. There were 181 CEOs in the United States that transformed a 22-year-old policy, policy statement that defined a corporation's principal purpose historically was about maximizing shareholder return. And when you flash forward to how they redefined this in, in August of 2019, it came, and even Jamie Dimon was part of this conversation, CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. So I think it's one of these things that we need to be tuning into because they declared that companies should not only serve their shareholders, but also deliver value to their customers, invest in employees, deal fairly with suppliers, and here, here's the last point that really ties this all together, and support the communities in which they operate. So if we're seeing this narrative at a much larger macro level, what are some of the opportunities that you see to bring this into the micro level, particularly for community institutions who have historically supported other organizations within the communities, but it's through the check writing, but now we can operationalize this, I think. That's the opportunity. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. 
and let's go back to defining a community, right? A community used ah. to be that small little geographic area in which you served your, you know, your community, meaning the, the 12 or 18 square miles around your branch and your location, right? Yes. Now the community changes completely. And that's the thing about the neobanks that I think is so Im Im impressive to see is just their community is not based on geographic. It's, it's based on emotion and it's based on, on how they want to align their values with those neobanks that, that are doing things in their quote unquote communities that make a difference. And those communities could be based on age, they could be based on you know, uh, other uh, uh, psychographic information, other demographic information, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's striking a chord. And I think you had a podcast a little while back that talked about all those different um, financial institutions that are trying to serve different segments of those, of those populations. And in actuality, you know, when you start talking about the emotional side of it, you start talking about the giving side of things, it reaches all of those different communities because everybody in all the, everybody in a community has goals that they have when it comes to to giving away what they've the heart their hard earned money. Yeah, and you know it. Like for example, you, one of the conversations that we were having is I'm a pet lover. I have four kids. We don't have pets though. I have a, we're gonna get a pet. We're gonna get a dog <laughs> later. Because I was like, until my kids get older, I was like, I don't need a fifth child. I want them That's to right. at least maybe feed the dog. Uh, so, but, but I think of like Chewy.com. Chewy.com has, has really built a community of pet lovers. REI has built a community of outdoor enthusiasts. And they literally, it's not just a, a physical, it's a, it's a physical community. It's a borderless digital community that brings together people who have a shared affinity, a shared passion, a shared purpose. And so if I was to align myself as a financial brand, maybe around the dog lover or the outdoor activity, is there an opportunity to then frame the giving perspective for organizations that support this type of lifestyle or this type of love affinity. Am, am I thinking correctly here? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what it comes down to is, and, and, you, and you brought, and, and so yes, you have to go with the affinity with, with where, with where the heart goes and supporting that and, and, and bringing those together. And I think you, you, you brought up Chewy, which is interesting, right? Because the whole GameStop thing just recently happened, right? And Ryan Cohen, the, the founder of Chewy, right, is, is one of the key people with it that's within the whole GameStop story and saga, and he's on the board. And, and now they're taking this physical store, right? And his whole plan is to take this thing and make it more digital and make it more accessible and make it more gamified on the outside. So you talk about a traditional brick and mortar, right now to the idea of going digital and meeting meeting gamers where they are as opposed to being in in the physical space and that changes the whole thing and so when we start talking about about meeting your customers where they are that's happening on that on that end right there and you know from a from a pet and uh, a love of pet perspective being able to support things like humane society and those kinds of programs we you should meet your your customers and your members at those locations and at those spaces where they where they have those connections. Yeah, and so, okay, great. I'm building building a coalition. Like like we're, more people are starting to understand this. We're we're working through a transformational journey internally. How might I be able to help bring more people along 
on this journey, on this narrative of banking on purpose? What are the best ways to address those that might just push back a little bit? So we've got we've got a coalition, but to really make this, I think, culturally like believed in internally first and then externally second because if we don't buy into it and believe believe in this top to bottom bottom to top it's we're half-heartedly moving down this but i i how can we really bring others along to see what we see yeah let me give you so so here's here's a great example this is this is something that happened to us recently one of one of the credit unions that we work with uh was giving their employees a jeans friday right wear jeans on friday if you contribute to our foundation using netgiver Mm. right so credit union foundation let's go ahead and and if you want to give to our foundation you can wear jeans on friday they saw some moderate success and then the next week they said you know what give to any organization you want and you can wear jeans on friday and the results spiked their employees now were engaged and now we're saying, look, it's what I care about. Great. I'm all about that. Right. So what does that mean? That means that is if we turn our attention back on the audience that we're speaking to and saying, this is about you making it about them. Now that transformation is easier to have because look, we all, we're, we're individuals, right? So even, even if, if you're uh, at the, on the other side of the table and you're saying, look, how can I make this happen? How do I, how do I, how do I transform into this? Think about it from the perspective of, and you talked about it, James Robert, about, you know, uh, do good, right? I mean, go out and in the community, do good in the community. And as that happens, everything rises with the tide. So uh, all ships rise with the tide. And so yeah. as, you're, as you're looking at that in the community and you're out there and you're doing good, it's resonating with your customers. It's resonating with the community. It's resonating with everybody who is seeing what you're doing. It's not just holding a big check and posting on social media. It's actually being involved and getting more and more people involved. And, and when you do that, you'll see engagement and engagement drives the bottom line. So I think this fits back into defining a purpose statement, this idea of doing good, which as you and I were talking about, it, it's, it's not focusing on self, but focusing on those that we serve, those that we create value for. And I'm gonna use REI here as an example. And this is on rei.com forward slash uh, phil, uh, philanthrop, uh, ph- the philanthropical side of their business. That's a tongue, tongue twister right there. It's a, it's they, a big one. They say, we believe a life outdoors is a life well lived that our connection to nature is essential to our humanity. That has guided our reinvestment back into the community for over 80 years. And today, more than ever, we dedicate our philanthrop- our philanthropy to assuring that every person can benefit from time outside. And then they go on and, and talk about how they're making these investments. And the, the subhead is in 2019, REI invested over $8 million to more than 400 nonprofits throughout the co-op and foundation grants. So they're they're showing like being a part of this REI community, you're doing good for others. If there's one recommendation that you can make to a financial brand to really help them take the first steps, what is that next best step, that micro, and I think it's the, what's the micro commitment to move forward and make progress to committing to bank on purpose or to bank with purpose? 
Yeah, I think it's involving your members and your customers in the giving mm. that you're doing in the community, right? I think that's the number one thing. And what's great, you you give the REI, the REI example, and it's a great example because going back to our, a little bit earlier in our conversation, when we talked about the younger generations wanting to align their values with the products and the brands that they support, REI is doing that because they see that that's who their core customer is going. If it's not their core customer now, it's who their core customer is going to be within the next several years, right? So they're 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 talking to that audience, that persona, right? Who loves the outdoors, who loves being part of nature, and who loves the idea of being able to give back. That's who they're talking to. Financial institutions have a wonderful opportunity right now to be able to. I mean, they're they get to they. The money exists in the accounts of their customers and their members, and that money, a part of that portion of that money is going to be used to be given away to things like the outdoors, right? So it's where it starts. So to be able to be a part of that decision, right? If somebody wants to donate to the great outdoors, where that starts is within your financial institution. You're at the beginning of that journey. So no matter what that member or customer cares about, you're at the very core, at the very beginning of that journey of being able to have that and help facilitate that relationship that they get to go out then and support the outdoors or support puppies or, or cats or, or you know, whatever it is that, that, that that's important to them gets to be part of, of your journey with them. And you get to be along with them in that whole thing because it's, it's where they bank. It's where they, it's where they have their money. And that money is, what's, is, what, is what they're giving away. I want to bring in another data point for the dear listener, you know, to start to connect all of these different dots together. This is from cornferry.com, and this is published in a recent survey, quote, 63% of millennials, essentially workers under 35, said the primary purpose of business should be to, quote, improve society instead of, quote, generating profit. And so we're starting to see all of these different data points. And I think it's, it's important that we address that for the, the dear listener and, you know, coming from an analytical, you know, banker's brain background, because now we can connect the heart and the mind together, heart and mind, data and emotion. And that is where the real transformational experience begins. This is... This has been a fantastic conversation, Eric. I really appreciate the insights that you've shared. If someone wants to continue this discussion with you, what's the best way for them to reach out and say and say hello? Yeah, by all means. It's pretty simple. My email address is eric at netgiverapp.com, netgiverapp.com. And that's that's a great way to get a hold of me. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn and feel free to message me there. So those are two great places to get a hold of me. And what's the next big thing? What's the next big thing that 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 you and the NetGiver team are doing? What can we expect? <laughs> yeah, we we can't wait. We can't wait because once you once you start talking about this idea of creating this emotional relationship where you're part of the giving experience of your members, what ends up happening next is is you earn trust. Once you earn uh... their trust and generate the trust, now when you say to them hey, we've noticed that you're a giver. We notice you give to this organization or that organization on a regular basis. We really think that this product or this service from our financial institution would really help support your life. 
now you've changed the narrative. It's not just now pushing a product at somebody who doesn't necessarily need it or want it at that time. It gives you the opportunity to have a conversation about a new credit card that might lower their interest rate or a new car loan that, that might allow them to go back and get that shiny blue car that they've been running numbers on, you know, that they've been looking at for a long time. Now it's an opportunity to say, hey, these people have supported me in my giving. I'm going to go back and now I feel like I can trust them to be able to, to handle my, my car loan or my mortgage or my refi or whatever it might be. And, and building that trust is important. And, and at NetGiver, we're, we're taking the next steps toward being able to draw a correlation between giving and where people spend and how, the, and how they spend. So we're working on a giving score that will tie into this idea of not just a credit score, but a giving score that'll tie into how people give related to how strong their financial health is. So adding wow. that to, to a credit score is something that we can't wait for. We're so excited to be able to, to take a look at the data between giving and, and financial health and, and be able to look at, you know, at, at what, that, what that can provide. So we're, we're very excited about that. I cannot wait to see how that continues to evolve because I can't help but think of just some of the reading around like the work of Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich and how all of this starts to connect together. And you mentioned trust. Trust is the currency in which we trade on in this digital world. And it can take weeks, months, years to develop enough trust, enough goodwill for to, to transform someone's behavior, to move money around, et cetera. But if we look at the pyramid of human relationships, at the foundation, it's all about respect. Help me when I, the consumer, has a need, not when you, the FI, has a need. So that's respect. At the, at the pinnacle of the pyramid of human relationships is love, which you know we could go down and have a philosophical conversation around the, the, the five different types of love from the Greeks. But what we're looking at digitally is it's just commitment. It's applying for a loan. It's, it's, it's opening up an account. It's making that commitment to the FI. But to bridge the gap between respect and love, it's the word that you just shared. It's trust. And trust is built upon two things, what you say and what you do. And a lot of that comes back to this idea of banking on purpose, banking with purpose. This has been great, Eric. Thank you. Well, let, let me just throw this in there too, because from a brand background, when we talk about brand, and this sort of goes back to things we were talking about a little bit earlier in the podcast, when you want to grow your brand, you want to build your brand, you want to build that trust, you make a promise, mm. right? And those are the promises you're talking about, right? So when you make a promise that you're going to do X, Y, or Z for your customer, for your member, and you fulfill that promise, you increase and garner brand equity and trust, and you create a more a tighter bond between you and, and your member and your customer. And what's important about that is that you need to have a number of those things happening all at one time in order to continue that relationship. Just like any relationship you have with your wife or your kids, you know, you make a promise, you want to fulfill that promise. When you fulfill that promise, it builds trust. When you build trust, you build affinity. When you build affinity, people are more likely to stick with you. And as you do that and, and continue to provide that, you create a, a more emotional connection. Flip side is also true. When you don't deliver on that, when you when that emotional connection, when that when that promise isn't there, right? And and where you're not when you're not meeting your customers' needs, when you're not fulfilling your brand promise, trust erodes. And when trust erodes, things like, you know what, it doesn't matter that the, the institution is right across the street. I can I can trust somebody online just as easily as I can trust somebody across the street. I don't trust them, you know, that 
profits are too high. They spend too much money on this. They charge me too many fees on that. All those kinds of things are things that erode that trust a little bit. So how can we build back with products that, that help support what the member, what the customer cares about? And that's really where NetGiver comes into play. And that's really what we're excited about. So. Well, this is great. This has been great. Great stuff. Great perspective. Great insight. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thanks, James Robert. Appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. And as always, and until next time, be well, do good, and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.